So I know we are all pretty tired of hearing about 2020 as the year of the panty, but if there's one thing that really stands out as an irreversible cultural shift from it all, it is the need to push our wares onto the internet. And I know you were already thinking, but how in the H can I actually really make a go at this e-commerce thing in such a wildly noisy and oversaturated space? There is so much competition out there. Well, my friend, with more consumers shopping online now than ever before, and a particular interest in supporting small businesses above the giants like Amazon, it's really the perfect set of circumstances for small businesses and solopreneurs to really get serious about e-commerce. And I get it. Taking the plunge can be super intimidating for a small business owner like you, especially if you have a one-person team with a tight budget. But the good news is it's not as hard as you might think. And one of the very best ways to learn is to see how other people did it. And that is exactly why my guest, Jessica Coster, is here today. After 20 plus years in retail and three years as the only employee of a seven-figure e-commerce business, Jessica now works with the top experts in e-commerce and helps female business owners just like you to achieve the same by teaching the secrets of seven-figure e-commerce businesses. Today's episode is so jam-packed with tangible takeaways and simple actions that you can take with your own e-commerce business that will yield super delicious quick wins. You'll honestly be losing money by not taking in today's episode. So grab a cup and open your treat bag because today's episode is jam-packed with goodies. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the show. I can't wait to talk to you about all things e-commerce today. How is it going? It's amazing. Thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. I could talk e-com all day, so I'm happy to be here. Oh my goodness. Well, let's dig in and talk shop. I'd love to start with the most foundational question, and that is, how did you become an e-commerce badass? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So this very short story is at my previous day job, when we took e-commerce back in-house, I had started there as marketing for their brick and mortar stores. But when we brought e-com back in-house, I took that division over. And I was the only employee for the first three years. And we were doing seven figures in business. So while I knew a lot about e-com before I started, I know a lot more now. It was a crazy time, but I learned so much. And I had the pleasure of working with like these huge e-com consultants that just the average person wouldn't have access to. So It was an amazing experience. I'm admittedly glad that it's over. And so now I'm essentially, what I like to say is sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. Amazing. So can you talk a little bit more about the types of products that you were putting into e-commerce platforms at that time? 
So the company that I worked for, I'm not going to talk about it here because it's not appropriate, but we had a lot of customer avatars. So that comes with its own set of challenges. But my background since I'm 14, 15 is in fashion. That's what I went to school for. I had my own brick and mortar boutique. So that's what I know the best. But I really ended up in a different space, which was tons of fun. And I still learn so much. And it really, for those clients of mine who maybe created their own product, right, because they're solving their own problem, or they're boutique owners, or they have a hobby, and they just like love the product to sell, right? So I've had my hand in a lot of different things. So I'm able to kind of have this well-rounded support for them. Got it. So the company that you worked for, they traditionally had various brick and mortar businesses, and it was your job to really bring that to the online market. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. When you said it's inappropriate to tell me what it is, it just made my ears sting because I was like, now I really need to know what <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, I can tell you and you can cut it out because I don't know who your audience is. Okay, let's hear it. It's adult sex toys. Okay, I'm totally leaving that in. That's a-okay. I actually, I have a product photography course, digital course, and one of my new students, that's their product. So, you know, at first I was like, oh, I actually hadn't considered that. But hey, it's an online industry market just like any other. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with talking about it. I mean, okay, cool. probably like a topic for another podcast, but I'm a-okay with it. It's cool. So back to e-commerce. So why don't you start by sharing with us some of those secrets that you found that you learned the hard way so that maybe listeners wouldn't need to go that route. Yeah, for sure. So I like to always frame this by reminding ourselves that there's only three ways that you can make more money in your business. You can acquire new customers, you can bring your existing customers back more often, or you can get them to spend more while they're already shopping. So when you think about it from that perspective, and if you're a small business, you're like, sweet, how can I increase my revenue for the least amount of time, (laughs) money, right, energy spent? And the easiest way to do that is to get them to spend more when they're already on your website. So I have a couple specific tricks for that, two of which you can set these up in the next 24 hours and see an immediate increase. So the first thing is to actually up your free shipping threshold. So in e-commerce, right, we have a metric called average order value. What is the average amount a customer is spending when they're on your website? And ultimately, you want to increase that. And there's been studies done, I think it's like 60% of consumers will actually add more to their cart just to get free shipping. So we want to take advantage of that. So I recommend you go look at your current AOV. Let's say it's $50, right? If your free shipping threshold is at or below that, then you're missing out and you want to raise it a little bit. How much you raise it depends a little bit on your product assortment and how much your products are, right? But ultimately, the goal is to just have them add one more item, So if it's already $50 and your average product is $15, then you want your free shipping threshold to be $65, for instance. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. As a consumer, I would a thousand percent find something (laughs) to add to the cart to get that free shipping. Yes, for sure. Same. And then the other thing is to add a cross-sell functionality. So if you're using Shopify, you can get an app in the app store to do this. It's really simple. And the idea is that when someone adds a product to their cart, that a pop-up comes up like in their face and says, you may also like these, something similar to that, and offer them more product to add. And I do say whatever product you're offering them, you want it to be about 15 to 25% of the price of the original item they were adding. So just another way to think about that is you don't want to ask them to double what they were planning to spend, right? That's kind of a big barrier to entry. So if they're buying something for $100, maybe you want to offer them a $20 product that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, Got it. Yeah. And that's how you can make more of the people who are already on your website. Right. Got it. Because if you're doubling the price with an add-on, I don't know, maybe the viewer or the potential customer is going to get overwhelmed and just click away. Sometimes I find when you're presented with too many offers and decisions, I'll speak for myself, then I just go like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'll deal with this tomorrow. And by then I've forgotten about it and clicked over to something else. Yes, exactly. There is the paradox of choice. There's tons of studies about this too. There's one that's like famous, I think about jam, right? It was like jam flavors that they set up at like a market that you shop in person at. And they did one day, I think they had 10 flavors. And then the other day they had three. And then the day that they had three, they sold more. So the 10 brought them more interest, but less revenue because people were just confused. (laughs) They're just confused. It's like decision fatigue or whatever. I know like when I first had my son, And I was like, oh, I need baby products. And this happened to me every day. I mean, maybe it was like the new mom fatigue as well, but I would walk into a store, a physical retail store, and there would be so many options just for like a breastfeeding cover or whatever. (laughs) And I would just wouldn't get one. I'd be like, I'll just use a blanket. It's fine. This is too much. (laughs) So yeah, totally. Yeah, my husband's going through that right now, trying to find a new car too, right? Every trim and if you add this package, but then you lose this. And then if you want this feature, it's only available over here. Like, it's just too confusing. Just simplify it as much as possible. Right. And so the add-on then should be really 20% of the total cart value. Right. Ish. Ish. Yeah. And that just makes it like more of a no-brainer type purchase. And you want it to be as complimentary to that product as possible. So, and just think about how you would shop in a brick and mortar. If you go into a boutique and you're looking for jeans, they're going to offer you a top. If you're shopping for a top, they're probably going to offer you an accessory, right? They're not going to ask you to spend more on a pair of jeans because you were already only looking at a $40 top. Ooh, but I could probably get you to spend like 20 bucks on an accessory. So that's how I like to think about it. And even to just use the example of what I used to sell, right? So we would sell them the initial product and then we would sell them something complimentary like a cleaner, to take care of the product that they're buying, for instance. And that's just a no-brainer type purchase. So those are my two favorite ways to get people to spend more when they're already shopping. 
And then if we work from the bottom up, the next thing would be to get your customers to come back more often. And my favorite way to do this is with email marketing. So here's the deal with email marketing. And this is how I really started e-commerce badassery. What I found is it's like wildly misunderstood and underutilized because it still has the highest ROI of like any marketing activity you can do. And I think email gets like a bad rap because maybe you as the business owner, you're like, oh, my email inbox is flooded. I hate getting emails, right? I hate sending emails. But if you're not, then you're just kind of missing out on revenue. And this is where I really love to dig in because in that previous business, we couldn't do social media ads. We weren't allowed. So email was a huge, huge channel for us. And I spent most of my time really focusing in on that. And when you build a relationship with your customers and you add value to their life, when you do pop up in their inbox, even if what you're sending them isn't salesy, right? It doesn't have to always be a hard sell. They're still going to come back and buy from you. And so it's a really powerful medium that I want every e-commerce business owner to be using in their business. And we can totally talk more about what that really looks like. I think we should, because I know with the recent rollout of the iOS 14 and the anti-tracking features that come with that, I think social media is just going to become increasingly more challenging for generating new traffic and new leads. And so I think that we all kind of need to turn our attention back to email because that's soon to become the most effective way to reach and keep your audience. And also it doesn't cost anything. So let's talk a little bit more about email marketing strategies, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. I could talk about email all day. So definitely not (laughs) mad about that. So with email, you kind of have two camps to it, right? You've got the automated piece, which is everything that works for you on autopilot, makes you money while you sleep, because isn't that what we all want? And then you have the campaign piece or the email blast, whatever you want to call them. And those are the one-off emails that you sit down and send. And The automation piece is one of the first things that you should do because it is going to make you money on autopilot and it's going to be touching all of those points with your customer throughout their entire journey. So basically you want to start out with things like a welcome series, which is where you are introducing them to you, your product, your brand. I would say put as much of yourself and your face into your company as you're comfortable doing and then maybe do it a little bit more because people like to buy from people. And that's kind of what the welcome series is for, setting expectations with them. And then you also want to look at your abandonments, right? So not everyone is going to buy as when they put items in their cart. And actually the average e-commerce abandoned cart rate is 68%. It's really high. So having those automated emails, and it's just a reminder. You're a mom, right? So you could be shopping, adding something to your cart. The kid is crying. They need to be fed. The phone rings. Like You just get distracted by life. It doesn't mean you don't want that product. So sometimes all you really need is just a simple reminder to say like, hey, don't leave these behind. And you can recover a lot of your abandoned carts just through that. And there's some advanced funky strategies you can do. And then also think about the 
post-purchase experience. Just because you got the sale doesn't mean that your work is done, right? So I like to think of the post-purchase email series and I ask myself, what does the customer need to know and understand in order to have a good experience with my product and come back to leave me a good review? So I'll use my day job as the example. We had this particular product that was all the rage in the space. It was brand new technology. It was amazing. People were loving it. And we kept getting bad reviews on it. And we were all just like, we didn't understand. So we really looked at the reviews. And what we figured out is that it was actually user error, right? It was a new technology. There was a specific way you had to use it to get the results you wanted. And we, as the retailer, did not do a good enough job of educating our customer on how to have a good experience with it. So we looked at our reviews, we talked to our customer service team, right? Because they had the most interaction with them. What are the questions that people are asking? What is the problem that they're having? And then we created content to help them out with that. And we put it in our post-purchase emails. Nice. So you dripped it out to them after they had their hands on the product. Exactly. And I can give you another example that helps illustrate this too. A client that I worked with, she has a DIY nail polish. So you get all the ingredients to create the colors that you want. And she gives you recipes and how-to videos and all of that kind of stuff. But people are a little bit overwhelmed at the thought of creating their own nail polish. Like, what if I mess it up, right? And so we made sure that we created content specifically for that. And so when not only does it come before they make the purchase, but after the purchase too, it's like that reminder of, okay, here's everything you're going to get. Here's where you can go get the instructional videos on how to do it. Here's some tips and tricks on if you mess it up, how you can fix it. Because we want to make sure that at the end, they end up with a product that they really love so that they'll come back and give us a positive review. And it sounds like sort of the foundation of all of this is really intimately understanding your customer journey from beginning to end. So do you have any sort of recommendations for how listeners can begin to really get more up close and personal with their customer experience? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of the times we overthink what it means to understand our customer, right? Because we've always got like our business hat on, Just put your customer hat on and think about how you would experience this product. What questions would you have about it? If you were that person, maybe it was you two years ago because you had a particular problem and you created a product to solve it. So go back to who you were two years ago when you were struggling. What were you looking for in the market that you couldn't find? What were the things that stood out to you that these other products didn't have? And just really... Like I said, put on that customer hat and think about what they're struggling with. And that's going to be the easiest way to figure this out. And the other thing to know is, especially too, when it comes to email and automation, right? I like to say it's set it and forget it-ish. You still have to go back and optimize, right? You're not going to hit it out of the park from day one. And as we've seen from 2020, like customer behavior changes based on what's going on in our world. 
So you may have to go back and change these things, but just never forget. It's kind of like, (laughs) so I don't have any children, but I do remember being a teenager and thinking, oh, my mom doesn't remember what it's like to be a teenager. So don't forget what it's like to be a customer. You always have to be thinking from that way. And just lay it out, whether it's like with post-it notes or there's this really cool tool called Storm Board, S-T-O-R-M-B-O-A-R-D, which is just like an online whiteboard with sticky notes that you can drag and drop around. So it might help you to kind of visually lay it out and say, okay, so when they're coming to my website, this is what they're thinking right now. Once they buy my product, this is what they might struggle with. And try laying it out like that first. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So in the world of lots of emails, what recommendations do you have to stand out a little bit? Because I know I'm constantly subscribing and unsubscribing. I know people are doing the same with my email list. It's a thing. But what tips do you have for making sure that people actually open those emails that are getting sent? Yeah, for sure. Be human. Like, just be human and have a conversation. Remember that this is just a person on the other side of this email address. So I'd like to think about what else do they care about related to my product that I can add value to their life. And you can do that through email. So like I mentioned earlier, it's not always about the hard sell. Sometimes it's just about being top of mind to be there as a reminder. So I don't want you to get discouraged if you're seeing like not every email I send generates revenue because they're not all meant to generate revenue and to have fun with it. I think we overthink this and look, I'm the queen of overthinking stuff. So I get it for sure. But really just how would you talk to them if you were in person with them? Maybe pretend you have a brick and mortar, right? How would you talk to them if they came into your store? You would be conversational and personal and it wouldn't be so like dry and boring. I think sometimes, especially if you are a corporate person who's like side hustling, You can get into that like corporate email talk when you're writing emails to your list. And so if you struggle with that portion of it, speak it instead and record yourself talking and then transcribe that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like a mini pet peeve of mine when I receive an email and it's written like either like it's an announcement to a room full of people or with some of that corporate ease like you mentioned. And I think like a really good way to do it is just think about the one person who's going to be reading it at the other end. And like you said, like if you saw them face to face, how would you talk to them? You probably wouldn't be saying things like you guys and you probably wouldn't be addressing them as sir or madam or anything like that. So really just kind of like taking it down to the human level. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And it can be hard because we feel like, oh, we have to do everything perfect and check all these boxes. And you know what? You don't. The less perfect you are, the more people are going to relate to you. And I think that's especially true right now. And people are just craving connection with real people. So just do that. And as a smaller business, that's your superpower. That's what you have over the big guys because they can't do that. 
Yeah, you can give each customer a little bit of individual attention. If they reply to your email, you can reply back because you've got the capacity to do that, or at least you should prioritize it a little bit. Because like you said, if you give the individual customer this amazing experience, well, it's a lot easier to get somebody who's already been a customer to become a customer again than it is to get a brand new one. Absolutely, absolutely. And email can generate anywhere from 20 to like 50% of your overall revenue if you're really in it and doing it. So it's so, so powerful. And the good news is like, if you send an email that bombs, right? People don't open it. Well, guess what? Nobody saw it and you can like try again. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So you bought a fancy camera or you're thinking about buying one because it's clear to you that there is no shortage of beautiful moments or things in your life that you'd like to capture beautifully. But the record scratches because all the dials and buttons and settings are standing between you and your life in stunning photos. Well, my friend, I have just the fix, the ultimate photography starter kit. This free resource includes a recommended equipment list, quick start checklist, and a beginner's guide to creating natural poses and candid moments to give you the confidence you need to dust off that fancy camera and start documenting your moments so they can last forever. The Ultimate Photography Starter Kit is completely free and it is everything you need to get started. So grab yours today at kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. That's kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. And I can't wait to see your framers in my scroll. I've heard a few different stats, so I'm going to ask you because I think I've heard something like a 20% open rate is sort of like the benchmark. And I'm not sure if that's accurate or not because somebody else told me it's 65%. So let's start with that. What's a target open rate for your emails? Yes, 20% is your target open rate. That is what the email service provider, so Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, etc. That's the number they're looking for that tells them the people you are sending to are engaged. And so that is the goal. If you're at 17, 18%, like you're fine, right? If you're at four, five, 6%, if you're in single digits, you're in trouble and you probably have to clean your list. And when it comes to opens, there's a couple of different things that contribute to that. So one, it is your subject line, of course, but a lot of us can get super hung up on subject lines and it might not be the problem at all. So the other thing to think about is who you're sending it to, because you can have the most amazing subject line, but if it's not relevant to the person you're sending it to, they're not going to open it. And also when you are actually sending it day and time. So let me give you an example about the audience piece. Like I mentioned, I do not have children. At this point in time, I don't have any nieces or nephews. If you are someone who sells men's, women's, and children's clothing, and you are sending me emails about children's clothing, I'm never going to open it and I'm never going to buy from it because I have no need for that. So understanding and segmenting your audience, if you have really parallel groups of people like that is going to be important. And then in terms of the day and the time, the only real way to know this is to just test right? And send a lot of emails at different times of day, different evenings. 
But once you understand your customer, that's going to help drive that. So if you've got a working mom, she's probably not looking at her email during the day. She's too busy. But in the evenings, kids are already fed. Maybe they're in bed. She's hanging out on the couch. Now she's scrolling through her phone she's probably more likely to open an email in the evening. So going back to just really understanding your customer and being aware, that's going to help you figure out the times of day to send your email. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You just actually got me thinking because my automated newsletter goes out at seven in the morning, depending on respectively, wherever people are located in the time zone sphere. And I just realized... I don't check my emails at seven in the morning. So maybe I should really be trying to send those in the evening just to see what happens with the data from there. Yeah, just to test it out. And it's funny. So I have two times where I really royally screwed this up. And I love to tell these stories. So traditionally, my Sunday night emails at 6 p.m. always did really, really well for me. But there are two times when those emails completely bombed. One of them was the series finale of Game of Thrones. I was probably one of five people in the whole world that didn't watch Game of Thrones. So I had no idea that it was on. So this was like a big marketing fail. So I sent my 6 p.m. email. Monday morning, I come in. I think I had like a 4% open rate. And I was like, what is happening? Oh my gosh. And I hear people in the hallway talking, oh, did you see Game of Thrones last night? And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay, yeah. Everyone was watching that. And then also Super Bowl Sundays, not a great day to send an email because everyone's watching the Super Bowl. So you have to kind of be tuned into your audience so you don't make big mistakes like that. Absolutely. (laughs) I would have totally opened your email on Super Bowl Sunday and on Game of Thrones Sunday because I tapped out of Game of Thrones after the third season or maybe it was the fourth. It just got too grody for me. And like, I just don't have any interest in the Super Bowl other than the snacks. I come for the snacks. So we were talking a little bit about acquiring new customers as well. So I know we covered like adding the upsell, bumping up the threshold for free shipping, We talked quite a bit about jazzing up your emails and when to send them. But what are your sort of tips and strategies for bringing the same customers back? Yeah, so bringing the same customers back is definitely email marketing. And also, if you are going to do any spending, retargeting ads are a great way to do that as well. And those are, if you're going to do any paid ads, those are the cheapest ads you can do because the audience is already warm, right? So that's a really great way. And then that's really what your social media is can be for too, right? Is it's just a great way to retarget people, keep them excited about your brand, let them know what's new and what's happening. And speaking of that, I find that most of us were spending so much time, effort, and energy creating content for social media that lives on for at most a day, right? Repurpose that content in your emails. Repurpose that content on your website where it can live on a little bit longer. And remember that not everyone is following you in all of the places. 
they're just not because they don't care about you as much as you care about you, right? So (laughs) people are going to kind of pick and choose where they want to hear from you. So if you're creating great content on social, if you're creating reels and videos about your product, put those in an email. Maybe you do like a weekly roundup or something like that to just get that in front of that additional audience. And continue to just get as much life out of that content as you possibly can. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I've heard it said too, that a person will need to come across you and hear about your product and see it a number of times. Do you have any data around that? How often do they need to have seen your, I guess, posts or your content before they actually make a purchase decision? Yeah, for sure. So I think the average they say is seven to 10 touches. And I don't remember when the last time they did a study on this, but I feel like it might be more now because it's just a noisy online world. And I love this story. This just happened to me recently. So in my own business, right? So I have my Instagram account and I recently have been getting a lot of new followers, right? So I did a re-intro post. And in that post, I talked about how I used to sleep in my new shoes as a little girl. That's part of my story. It's why I ended up in fashion and retail. And someone commented and said, oh my God, I used to do that too. I did that too. Did you really? (laughs) I didn't know that other people did it. I just had this memory of sleeping at my aunt and uncle's house and my uncle going, you still have your shoes on and taking them off. And I realized like, do you know what else I did? I slept in my uniform when I got my first job. When I was 16 and I got my first job, I was so excited that I slept in my uniform. <laughs> that's hilarious. See, I I'm love be that. able to unsay that. <laughs> right, that's so funny. So she commented this, but here's the thing. I've told that story multiple times on Instagram. That is not the first time that I've said it. And that particular person has been following me for like two years. But that was the first time she saw it. It was the first time it hit her. So you can't repeat yourself too much. Whether it is your story, whether it is your unique selling propositions, whatever it is that you're talking about, you cannot repeat yourself too much because to you, it feels like you said it a million times and you probably have. But you've got new people coming into your orbit all the time. You've got people who are already there that are not paying as close attention And you just don't know when it's going to hit them. And if they have heard it already, they're just going to tune it out. They're not going to be like, oh, she's talking about this again. Like they're not going to care, right? They're just going to scroll past it and be like, okay, cool, whatever. So don't get too hung up on that part and just know that you can reuse your content. Even an email, this is my other kind of favorite thing to do. If you're ever like, oh, I don't know what to send this week. Go back into your archives and find an email that performed really well and just resend it to either your new subscribers or the people who didn't open it the first time you sent it and just use a new subject. Yeah, it's so smart. And it's also a testament to just doing things even if they don't feel like they're perfect because you're not going to start to generate this data unless you're willing to start putting it out there, ready or not kind of thing. So for listeners who are sitting there thinking like, I don't know what to say and I don't want to blah, 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 like just do it because you're not going to start to generate this intel until you do. So enough with the imposter syndrome already. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about standing out. So I know 
know we talked about email and how to stand out in the inbox, but what about in general? Because I think especially given the circumstances of 2020, e-commerce has become a very noisy space, as they say. It's very populated. Everybody is shifting their wares online. So how does an e-commerce business owner start to stand out a little bit in that noisy space? You've got to put a personality behind your brand. If it can be you, amazing. If you are not comfortable, I say try anyway. If you're really not comfortable, I get it, that's fine, but you need another solution then. So I love to use Pura Vida as the example here. If you don't want to be the face of your brand, because it's two guys that own this. And, you know, there are people who know that it's these two guys, know who they are, but they are not the face of their brand. They use influencers to create faces, right? Become ambassadors. And they're really selling the lifestyle, that travel lifestyle. So if you don't want to be the face, then work with people who can be the face for you. But there's got to be an emotional connection to your brand. People buy on emotion and justify with logic. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So Is there an opportunity then for e-commerce shop owners to potentially use their customers in that way? Maybe that wasn't worded well. I don't mean use their customers, but when they're creating a narrative, they've already got people that are consuming their product. Is there an opportunity there? Yes, absolutely. And I love using a referral program for this, giving them the opportunity to earn some points or earn some cash and let them, you know, word of mouth advertising is not dead. It's still a thing. We just do it differently, right? We're doing it through social media now. So make it really easy for them to do that. And when you can find those people who take really great images, right? And you can reshare them, make sure you get permission, of course, to do that. But bring them into the experience. Create an experience around your brand and your product and share their stories. And this is a great place too when you see the reviews that they leave you to repurpose that content as well. So maybe they didn't share a photo or they're not going to be on your social media, but even sharing that social proof on your channels creates that community vibe and experience. Okay, there's other people using this who are going through the same thing I'm going through right? And kind of bringing those people together. Absolutely. My goodness, I've learned so much from this conversation already. I've got a mental list in my head of things that I'm going to change with my email list, like as soon as we finish (laughs) this call. But I want to turn it over to you now for a little bit, because this episode so far has been jam-packed with value. And I know that you have your own podcast, you have free resources, like you're the e-commerce badassery person. So let's talk a little bit about that now so that listeners can connect with you. Yeah, for sure. So my brand is e-commerce badassery. I have a podcast by the same name. My podcast is very tactical, right? So the idea is you listen and then go implement when it makes sense for your business. So you can find me on all of the places. You can find me on social as well, all at e-commerce badassery. And I do have a free resource library. So what I ended up doing is every freebie I've ever created, I put all in one place. 
So there's tons of tips and tricks around just e-commerce and email marketing. And you can get that by going to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash workshop weekly. Amazing. I'll make sure that we link all of those good things in the show notes so that it's super easy to find you. I'm going to actually head over and start binging your podcast myself because based on what I've learned here today, I'm sure that there's a lot more for me to learn from you. Jessica, I always like to finish these episodes off with kind of one, like what's one thing that people can actually do when they are finished listening today? So if they could do one thing before they go to bed tonight to improve their e-commerce shop, what should they do? Go look at the feedback that you're getting from your customers. Look at your reviews, look at your customer service inquiries, look at your comments on social media and start really getting a sense of how your customer talks about your product and then use that same language when you talk about your product. Because now when that new customer comes and reads it, they're going to be like, how did she know? That's what I was thinking. Oh my God, she's in my head. So as much as you can use your own customer's language, the better off you'll be. And there's so much of it there. We just have to take the time to look for it. Amazing. Jessica, thank you so much for your generosity with your expertise today, for your time. You are amazing. And I appreciate you being here with me today so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I love doing this. I could legit talk e-commerce and email marketing all day. It's why I made it my job. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you again for having me on. Well, I told you, you were going to learn a whole lot by listening to today's episode. I can't wait to get away from this recording studio to go make some changes in my own business after speaking with Jessica. She is such a wealth of knowledge. And really, I could have spoken to her all day about this stuff. It's very clear to me that she's super smart and pays attention to the right stuff. So if you're like me and you want to learn more from Jessica, be sure to check out the show notes for ways to get in touch with her and to download some of her free resources at kellylawson.ca slash 056. And was it just me or did this episode go by way too fast? I love hanging out with you like this and I'm really excited to grace your earbuds (laughs) or ear holes. I don't know why I just said that next week. Until then, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.